Welcome to the CaperCast, a podcast where we discuss all kinds of cinematic heists and capers. It is episode number 21, and today we're going to be covering Hudson Hawk. Uh, I'm Stephanie. <laughs> I'm joined by my partner in crime. Whitney. Um, oh my gosh, you guys, this movie is wild. Yeah. It was bananas. We're getting better about resisting the urge to message each other because, like, I think, yes, we know we don't want to say anything that we will say on the show. And so, our texts, when we text each other and we know we're watching them at the same time, are just kind of like so vague, like, oh my God, are you watching this? Like, or like the eyeball emojis. <laughs> uh, I, did not know anything about this movie. I think last time we talked about the fact that we saw mm-hmm. Bruce Willis was finally in this. Finally, yeah. I don't know my finally, but he was in this. And that was all I knew going into this movie. Um, we had done the poll a few weeks back between Point Break and Hudson Hawk. Y'all had chose Point Break, although it was very close between the two of them. But obviously we're here talking about this film. Still, anyways, because yeah, we could not you guys were so keen for us to talk about it, and uh, I know the split was like it was like by a hair point break one. And after watching Hudson Hawk, I see now like I think it was a smart or interesting decision to put them head to head because they're both obviously cult movies, movies with a cult following. I think for very different reasons. Yes, I was not expecting. I um, okay. Do you want to tell people about this movie? Yeah, a bit sure. Before we we'll, dive we'll, into it, and then because I feel like I'm already the, starting to. I know. I'm already like <laughs> starting to be like I really want to talk about the plot with you, Whitney. Like I, I, I messaged like not you, but I was like I'm so curious what Whitney's going to think of this movie. Like I've been like sending my messages that I want to send to you to other people, but telling them I'm like I wonder what she's going to think. Like. <laughs> That's how I'm getting around this right now. So I mean, there is a lot to think about this movie. Yes, yes. Uh, okay, the movie Hudson Hawk, a 1991 heist movie starring Bruce Willis, a thief extraordinaire Hudson Hawk, has just been released from prison, and all he wants is a nice cappuccino. However, before he can savor his favorite beverage, the highly eccentric and wealthy Darwin Mayflower and his equally odd wife Minerva rope Hawk into an ambitious series of heists. Soon Hawk is stealing no less than major works by Leonardo da Vinci and priceless pieces that the Mayflowers plan to use in exceedingly nefarious ways. This was very hard to boil down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I couldn't tell if the Mayflowers were siblings or husband and wife at times. Like, it was a Mm -hmm. very strange relationship. Mm -hmm. I just, the thing that stood out to me in the credits, though, was Bruce Willis co-wrote this film. Listen, we have a lot to talk about in terms of uh, Bruce's involvement with this film and the things he did for this film. There's a lot of facts that we will cover. I don't know if I should do them at the top, but let's just say that he really had the 
his thumb on the scale of this movie. Mm, that's interesting. I'm very, very curious about um, all of these facts. And someone spoiled one of them for me, but like, they're like, oh, did you know this about this film? And I'm like, no, but I suspect Whitney's going to tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't even, I know logically the beginning is where we start when I'm like, I don't know where to start, but like, this movie was so different from whatever vague expectation I had of it. It was so over the top. It was so bananas. And I gotta say that even though pretty much throughout the movie, I was like, what is happening? Mm -hmm. I was really entertained. Like this movie was deeply fun in a very strange way. I was kind of like, am I watching like a precursor to like the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider? Like what's happening? (laughs) I think I was, as I was watching, I'm like, I see why this has cult status for sure. I see why this bombed and I see why people love it now. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a blast watching it. Yeah. I think it was probably the most funny and entertaining of the like comedic heist movies that we have watched in recent memory. I agree. And, you know, the heist element, like it's not necessarily the main kind of focus of the film, but the film definitely revolves around a series of heists and they lead to something and they're kind of not necessarily the main focus of the film. They're kind of the catalyst to everything else though. And I do think that this is both a heist and a caper film. So oh, for sure. I would say main focus is uh, interesting because I feel like this film doesn't have a focus whatsoever. No. It is but, very much trying to pin something down, but, yes. but whereas like red notice just, didn't work with that without that focus like this is so over the top zany that like it does like they really lean into it and they do not take themselves seriously or if they did that did not come through in this film at all but they just seem like they're all having a lot of fun making this movie and so the nonsensical is it at this movie? Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? It's all of these things. Right. I just like worked for it. It, it doesn't really, I, I guess it doesn't really matter, you know, because once he starts pulling off certain things in the movie, you're just like, okay, whatever, no matter what happens, we're just going with it. We're just saying, sure. Why right. not? <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's like a lot of really endearing parts of the film too, you know, like Bruce Willis and his partner, Tommy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why I'm one is Bruce Willis. Oh, I guess I could call him Hudson Hawk, but yeah. um, <laughs> uh, Hawk and Tommy. I, I find their relationship really charming too, in that mm-hmm. like they have this like unique sense of communication with each other. And just, I like that they're like, Oh, what song is this going to be? As in like, how long is something going to take? Like, you know, and instead of having a watch or whatever, they have songs that they know the very specific length of and Mm -hmm. what they can kind of, I don't think this is a really efficient way to be a thief. Like, I don't think this is. No, it's also a very loud way to be a thief. (laughs) They are shout singing and like, 
they're not subtle in their approach even a little bit. Um, no, not whatsoever. But again, because this film just leads into how absurdist it is, it's just more like silly fun as opposed to like, I feel like they couldn't pull this off in real life. You right. Know? Like, you're <laughs> just like, okay, sure. I'm along for the ride. I kept thinking like, this is a cartoon. This is yes. a card. This is a live action cartoon. Yeah. It really feels like Looney Tunes zany. It's mm-hmm. so silly. It's so like, you could almost picture like, there, there's a scene towards the end where they are at like Da Vinci's castle his fortress i don't entirely know what that was uh but like i could almost picture some scenes where they're like dropping an anvil off like the side like acme style running off a cliff and being like "Uh uh-oh there's no ground underneath me like really (laughs) like running in the air (laughs) there's just so much silly humor you know there's a scene where well The CIA agents, you know, they're all named after candy chocolate bars. Mm-hmm. But the scene where the one shoots a bomb that sticks to his head. And that's yep. so Looney Tunes. Like, that's so Wiley Coyote and, like, you know, the Roadrunner kind of thing. There's, There's got to be inspiration that was taken from, you know, old kind of Tom and Jerry and Looney Tunes kind of stuff like i'm not that i mean uh, probably but nobody mentioned it in any of the fun facts that i looked up but it did just feel if i mean they did want it to be like a send-up of mm-hmm. traditional heist movies thriller movies but i don't know if they mentioned uh inspiration from cartoons although right. it just really felt like one i had to pause the movie. So the movie opens and it's mm-hmm. like a 10 minute long scene, maybe less. Of it's like so strange. Like it's like Da Vinci in his workshop doing a bunch of Da Vinci things and like inventing stuff. And like, I was like, am I watching the right movie? Like I had the I same thought. I'm like, so oh, are cute. they trying to do like a princess bride thing where the grandpa is like reading the story to the kids? They actually have a storybook at the beginning of it. And then there's like mm-hmm. some random guy. And he's like, that's some guy on a horse. It's like, it's just some guy. <laughs> like, it's so random. It's really random. It's a really strange way to start. Um a heist or thriller movie in general, even if you are like spoofing it, I don't know where this fits, but yeah, we're seeing like a day in the life of Leonardo da Vinci. And apparently he just does all his inventions in one day. He's like, I'm going to turn lead into gold. And then I'm going to put out, uh, I'm going to shove my friend off the cliff with my flying machine. And he's going to go flying. I'm going to paint the Mona Lisa. Uh, Like, I'm going to paint the Mona Lisa over here and just like, oh, I just did all my Da Vinci stuff in one day. And And then like, what if Da Vinci was also kind of hot, but then we like ugged him up with like a ton of like cakey makeup and some weird (laughs) facial hair. Very weird Da Vinci. So weird. And yeah, just throwing his friend off. The, like cliff was wild because he's like very adamantly shouting no 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 <laughs> and he was like goodbye 
Like, I hope to survive. Oh. And so I guess we're being shown this because there are these mirrored crystals that are used in the sci-fi way to turn lead into gold. And apparently Da Vinci did it and then broke apart the crystals and hid them in various other Da Vinci artifacts. Yes, with no explanation whatsoever. The government is trying to set up this giant corporation, Mayflower Industries, who is attempting to get the crystals so the government wants hudson hawk this is very complicated so i'm trying to figure it out in my mind the government immediately talks to hudson hawk when he is released from prison saying you're gonna do this job for us and he's like hey man i'm just trying to be a bartender now and then the mafia tags him as well and says no you're gonna do the same job but for us, yeah. and this somehow it feels like the government, the CIA, and the bad guys are working together, but not together. Yeah. And then don't forget that there's a secret religious organization oh, yes. of super spy nuns. Also, yes. the Vatican so is also in on this. <laughs> at all. They're just like, we would like you to take us at our word that there is a secret organization in which all of our members communicate via crucifix (laughs) (laughs) when she talks to the crucifix and all of a sudden lights up it's like why are you flirting with them what (laughs) they genuinely have crucifix communicators Mm -hmm. walkie talkies i had to pause (laughs) <laughs> because I could not stop laughing. I was like, this cannot be real. We are never going to explain why this nun is also a spy. Why any of this is no. happening. Or what is. But they exist. And we would like you to know that. Also, the CIA are now named after chocolate bars. Those are the agent's code names. It's better than last time when they were named after diseases. STD yeah. joke. Why? <laughs> There's so many more diseases. What? That's true. <laughs> I just, oh, it's a deeply silly movie. You know, it's, I knew something was up. There's like a scene in the auction house. Basically, uh, Hudson has stolen this Da Vinci item and nobody's reporting on it. Like, it seems mm-hmm. like a failed heist. So he's curious and he goes to check it out which is where he gets introduced to Super Spy Nun. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, I watched Warrior Nun on Netflix, which is actually like a delight. Maybe it's tied into that. Maybe that's a, this is a prequel <laughs> to that. Um, but then there's also these kooky characters in the auction house, all eating candy bars that they are all named, named after, after. Which is also ridiculous because why? But the, I, I cannot. And then this. I is mean, the first that auction house scene is crazy mm. because you have the nun who is to protect the artifacts for the Vatican. Right. You have the CIA agents chowing down on their candy bar names of choice. Mm-hmm, and right. I thought Subtle. this was the first like product placement that was ever in a movie. They were eating them <laughs> so specifically with the wrappers out. I'm like, oh, is this a Snickers ad all of a sudden? Right. And then we have 
the Mayflower, I want to call them twins, but I know they're married. Oh, the, I know. the Mayflower couple, they're also there. So it's just everybody who is involved oh, in this heist. And they do that weird there. little tongue thing. They just like waggle their tongues at each other. And I'm just like, oh, like it's just so icky. And they immediately tell us that they're like the villains, you know, as soon as uh uh Mr. Mayflower, I can't remember his first name. What was his first name? Uh his oh. name is Darwin. Darwin. But like as soon as Hudson meets him, he's like, I want to hire you. I'm the villain. Like that's <laughs> what? It's just again, I really appreciate the absurdity of this film, but like who wants to work with anybody who introduces himself as the villain? I think it's that no matter who, I mean, uh, Hudson is in the position where he is not allowed to say no to anybody. Right. Like He's in a very precarious place. Everybody's using his uh, desire to not go back to prison against him. And I just, it's so strange that like, I wish that even though everything is like slapstick and funny and balls to the wall in this movie, I wish that we had like one little nugget to take seriously. Like maybe if the villains were really, really dastardly or something, because, oh man, it's just every turn is another goofball. And Minerva really, Minerva Mayflower really reminds me of like Parker Posey. Like she has Big mm-hmm. Parker Posey energy. And like, especially from like the Josie and the Pussycats movie, which it's the anniversary of today while we're recording, not for <laughs> when people listen to this. Um, but like, I just felt like she had this zany over the top energy. And like thinking about that, I was like, I wonder if like Parker Posey's character from that was like inspired by this. Uh I mean, Sandra Bernhardt is a legend. She's great. Yeah. And apparently, like, she was such a delight to work with. Like, she kept people's morale up while making this. I could totally see that. As zany as, like, the movie is, and, like, those characters are, like, so over the top. And, like, not always in, like, the best way. They're definitely, like, very cringy sometimes. Even with that, you can tell they're having fun. Like, Mm mm-hmm they look genuinely delighted to be in these roles and just kind of being allowed to go absolutely bananas with it. Like, yes, her costumes are also incredible. Like her style in this film, although she's a freaking maniac, like they're so cool. And I don't know. I just, I enjoyed her in that role and kind of just being this really, wild just over the top yeah like every time they go into the conference room she's not sitting in a chair she is draped across the table (laughs) she is like yeah she really sells that just I'm gonna do what I want and Mm -hmm. nobody's gonna tell me differently and just I don't know so the idea is that Darwin and Minerva are going to get these crystals, put it into their replica lead to gold machine. Right. And make enough gold to flood the market so that gold and money is not worth anything anymore and crash the global economy. I don't know to what end, but that's their plan. I don't get that either. They are self-acknowledged billionaires they do not need money. And if there's anything I know about billionaires is wealth begets wealth. Like you just, 
you cannot give money away fast enough to like lose those billions of dollars. And like, what purpose could you possibly have in being a billionaire and then like destroying everybody else's like he does say his goal isn't money it's world domination but i just don't get how what they're doing do that like to me it leads to more wealth not strictly dominance you know like i didn't understand that connection i didn't understand a lot of things yeah, you know, I truly, I could not, I'm I'm happy you recapped this because I was like stunned for like hours and I was like, I don't even know how to describe this movie to people. But again, I had so much fun that I just like didn't care, you know, like, yeah. Do I understand what happened in this movie at all? No. Do I really care? Also, no. I just had a good time watching how bonkers everything was it's like okay so we now know the plan we're in new york he steals this horse from the auction house with his friend it has the crystal inside and then they're like you're gonna go to rome and steal the next artifact for us and he's like no actually i'm not i'm trying to go straight for some reason and instead of i don't know kidnap it they they do kidnap him they knock him out but then they put him into a box with a bunch of packing peanuts and yeah. they mail him. I just, I know I, they couldn't have got him on some other way. Like I just, I have a lot of questions about, okay. My other big thing that I was like stuck out in my mind. So <clears throat> there are numerous fight scenes in this movie from start to finish. We have so mm-hmm. many different organizations and factions all vying for, the same things, kind of. Um, there are so many falls from like very high up. Like you would not yeah. survive. There yeah. are at least four or five scenes where they are basically maybe more like thrown off a building or mm-hmm. a cliff or a skyscraper and they They're survive. Fine all of them and I'm like I mm, not a broken ankle they're all good is this also a prequel to unbreakable like there's a lot of questions (laughs) um just wild I mean okay I can't believe like I I jumped to them going to Rome I skipped over what is a very interesting car chase in movies full of car chases that we've seen Mm -hmm. Is Bruce Willis goes on to an ambulance, fights his way out, rolls out of the ambulance on a gurney, and rides the gurney as if it is motorized. I don't know how he has the momentum to keep going on this gurney. He is, at one point, faster than the ambulance he has rolled out of, (laughs) catches a cigarette, from somebody who throws oh, it out the window, God. goes through a toll machine, like pays the Throws toll money, exactly. <laughs> just piloting this gurney down the highway, like it's not. Like, uh, and then somebody also <laughs> says to him in a uh, convertible, "Is like, hey, Mister, you gonna die?" Like she just <laughs> asks him point blank if he's about to die, and 
I think it's a testament to this movie as a whole um, and just how bonkers everything is, is that I forgot about this scene. Like I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. It was so weird. And like, you don't really see Bruce Willis in a lot of like slapstick kind of comedy. Like, you know, so again, I was not expecting this from him. And I was also not expecting him to kind of, I don't know if he pulls it off. Like, I wouldn't say anyone in this film is particularly good at acting Mm -hmm. in this particular film, but again, it works for what it is. And Bruce Willis's facial expressions in this and the zany, like, whoa, whoa. (laughs) All very Looney Tunes and Mm -hmm. just absolutely insane. Did you notice that um, the head of the CIA is Tex from Charade? No, I recognized her, but I didn't IMDb it because I... This was one of those instances where I was just like really caught up and watching it. And I was like, we're just going to. I think I only noticed because I've seen charades so many times. And when he started talking, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) Oh my God. That's amazing. I didn't notice that at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't know. So he goes to Rome and he now has to steal the Da Vinci code. No, um, Da Vinci's. (laughs) Codex, basically a giant uh, tome, his journals, like in the Vatican. And we see that Andy McDowell's nun character is also there. She has also shown up in Rome in the Vatican where we learn that she works. Yeah. And she's apparently supposed to be trying to stop him from stealing it. And she doesn't even barely even tries she does poison him at one point in time but like that's true it was kind of a half-hearted effort like let's be honest that wasn't really an attempt it was just like the writers were like okay how do we add some conflict here because like she immediately regrets it she's immediately bummed about it and it's just like bless me father for i have sinned i turned in an innocent man he's not innocent really like not really innocent in this adjacent in that he's being forced into this but like how How crazy is it that the vatican apparently protects this book like more hardcore than we've seen a lot of security measures in these movies it's got like a cascading cage that comes down around the person who touches it sirens and lights and also like a poison gas starts that seems like a liability that seems right possibly again I don't even think I could comment on the plausibility of this film, which immediately sets itself up to be not a film you're going to be like, okay, but like, would this happen in the real world? They're just like straight up like, this is basically fantasy, but set in the real world. Like, mm-hmm. that's what this is. Um, but my favorite thing for how he sees this whole thing, how it works, is he steals a stuffed animal from a child a really bratty <laughs> child. And then what is it? Pookie? And like throws okay. Pookie. And then, oh my gosh. I just, I, 
there's so it's so hard to pinpoint one part of this film that stands out more than any other because I feel like I've blanked on so many moments and then we talk about them and I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> what a weird movie. It is very strange. Um, it is but he definitely... does. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say he does steal the thing. They like open up the back cover of Da Vinci's notebook with a knife and the crystal piece is somehow in a cover that was like two dimensional before. I know they never explain the blue wire thing. Kit Kat gives him a note and he's like, beware the blue wire. And he's like, Oh yeah. How'd you know about that Kit Kat? But then there's no explanation of what that is. It's very funny because we're supposed to believe that he is like the world's greatest cat burglar, but he gets caught every time he goes to steal something. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about the scene where he's testing this out for the first time and Andy McDowell saves him. And then we discover the Vatican subway, the mail subway, (laughs) which another thing I'd kind of forgotten about, which is leading into us discovering the crucifix communicators and then also (laughs) him mailing himself to the Vatican. I just, there's so many (laughs) wild parts of this movie. And like, I want to see the script so badly. Like what did this banana script look like? And somebody was like, yes, we're going to give them all the money to make this. Uh, Oh, um, We'll go. We'll we'll talk about. Okay. That. Okay. 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 Um. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, the fact that he mails himself to the Vatican, I did have that moment of like, oh, uh, an entrapment. She mails the painting from the building. That's funny. Right. But like to see him in a box with like a thousand stamps on the top, it's just that he like peeks out of because it's not yeah. sealed. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, again, like the heist part kind of like stops after this point. Cause the last item that gets heisted is the CIA heisted, which what I, yeah, I don't, I don't understand it at all. Understand. Uh, but I don't know. This movie was still so much fun it's definitely more of a heist movie than i'd say point break was like there's oh for sure a lot more actual heisting the heist part isn't just you know a kind of they're both the catalyst to the rest of the story but the heists are much more um in focus here we see those and that's like you know part of the story there's no real i mean there are technically a lot of police in this but like they're yeah, but there are disasters. Yeah, I, just, uh, I kept on thinking that the CIA were going to be like a ruse because I was like, surely this is. Surely the CIA isn't a ragtag team of weirdos named after candy bars with blow darts pa- paralyzing I just, people. I know. I, oh, I. It's a lot. A plus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you were talking about how they do a lot of like, I think they set this, I don't think they set this up on purpose, but a lot of people falling off buildings and they're fine. So at the end, Tommy Five Tone, um, 
Hudson Hawk's BFF gets trapped in a limo and gets sent off a cliff and the limo is burning flames, flying through the air, tumbling down a cliff, exploding. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, that was the end for his friend. Absolutely. But no, he comes back at the very end and is like, wouldn't you know, airbags. Oh, my God. Unscathed. He's fine. He had no seatbelt on. He had nothing. He survived. All of those. I just. No notes. No notes. This is fine. By this Wouldn't point, change. I was like, I just. This is like the last like two minutes of the film. I was just like, okay, I'm just going to buy into whatever they're selling me. Like, yep, I've, I've drank the Kool-Aid. Uh, I've sure. drank the cappuccinos. It's. Uh, <laughs> It's fine. Uh, All right. Do you want to hear some of these facts about this movie? It's going to explain a lot, I think. I really do. Imagine that it is 1980. (laughs) And you are a young Bruce Willis in a nightclub and you're watching a band play. And you're so moved by the music that you have to take out your harmonica and start playing along from the audience. (laughs) (laughs) What? And imagine you are the musician on stage and you're like, where is that cool harmonica music coming from? (laughs) And you and this guy become best friends. Oh my God. And you start writing songs together. And you write this song together about the Hudson Hawk. Oh. And you have dreams of one day making it big and becoming famous. And you guys promise each other that if you do get famous, you're going to make this song into a movie. Oh my God. And then you do die hard. So you become famous and you decide to make good on your promise. Oh my God. So this is like Bruce Willis's, like the project of his heart. This is like the thing you're like, I dreamed about making this and maybe you shouldn't have been given the money to do this, but you are coming off of that diehard heat and people are like, sure, Brucey, whatever you want. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. And so he started to write it and the producers kept like reading his drafts as he was writing it and sending and hiring different writers to write the movie with him to try and like make it into a real movie script. And Bruce kept like either firing them or hiring different people or rewriting it and changing it. And uh, he had this like revolving door of writers who would like try to make sense of it but he'd always push back and, you know, no one could see this vision that he had for this like comedy thriller send up of heist movies oh that he was, he would like start throwing ideas around while the movie was shooting. The movie was supposed to be shot in 60 days, but it took 105 and like oh the budget went bonkers over because of it. And this would have been like just film was still being used. Like digital film was not a thing. Right. And so he was like rewriting the script, rechanging things. Said, but what if this happens? And what if this happens? And like, no one was 
And the, finally, the movie producers like send this script doctor to Rome and they're like, it's your job to fix this freaking movie. They, we can't under, we can't reel him in. We can't figure it out. Like nothing is working with this. Please go fix it. So the guy goes out to Rome and he gets there and the, the execs who hired him, like, stop taking his calls. They're kind of like, you're on your own. Deal with it. We won't oh, say no to Bruce. Oh my God. And then Bruce won't listen to him either. And he's just like, okay. No one's talking to me anymore. Uh, so that's why this movie is so wild and all over the place and unfocused. Yeah, that tracks. I'm still like stuck on the like harmonica at the show. Like, I feel like if I was playing a show and somebody just started playing like the harmonica, I, I would like riot. I'd be like, sir, this is extremely rude. Like, I feel like you're really like trying to steal my thunder here. But I guess like, if you're two peas in a pod, your kindred spirits, it was meant to be, but like, I'm stuck on how they became BFFs from that. But that is a wild story. And like that deeply tracks with the movie we watched. Right? Yep. Makes like the two music sense. friends? Yeah. Um, the music and how that's intertwined into the film too also deeply makes sense that it was like a music kindling that brought kind of the whole thing together right the script doctor guy was like i hated that music thing it was so ridiculous like he did not it is ridiculous but the whole (laughs) film is ridiculous so like so you know i understand the cultiness of it now because why not let's throw in some more songs let's lean into it you know absolutely wild i wonder if the other guy who did wind up getting like the writing credit was that like Bruce Willis's like friend or was no. that one of the other writers? And then they were just like, I wonder if that writer though is like, I really wish they hadn't put my name on this. Like, I wonder if. Yes, I think, well, I have a quote here. Uh, when promoting his time traveling movie, 12 Monkeys, oh. Bruce Willis quipped that if he could really time travel anywhere in time, he would go back to just before production began on Hudson Hawk and stop himself from making the movie. So apparently a lot of them, I think because it was such a bomb, this is probably before the cult classic, like it became such a cult favorite. I think a lot of people hated working on this movie and also felt bad because it was panned so much and obviously did not make any money. Right. Um, Apparently the guy who plays Darwin wrote a book about his career and there's an entire chapter dedicated to what a disaster making oh, this movie was. My God. Well, I think about like film and TV and comics have similarities in that they're collaborative like mediums, you know, like you, you can't just be like a tyrant that like th- there has to be give and take with your actors, the director, the writers, like everyone has to kind of work in tamden, tamden, tandem, tandem, <laughs> kind of like make it a thing. And if you're being that kind of overpowering to the creative process, like maybe I think this is from the sounds of it, a fluke that it turned out being something fun to watch now. But like, if you're going to make everyone else's lives miserable in the process, like yikes. Yeah, I don't, it, it was definitely like, it made a lot of sense as I was reading about, yeah. you know, um, yeah. apparently it was very, they had a very hard time casting the role of Anna, the nun. 
Okay. Um, it was supposed to be Isabella Rossellini, but because they took so long writing and rewriting the script, she had to bow out because of scheduling conflicts. Um, they tried to get a famous French actress named Marushka Detmers. I'm not okay. sure. I tried to see if there was anything we'd be familiar with. I couldn't. Um, Madonna turned to town. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Bruce Willis wanted actress Famke Jansen, who was in Goldeneye. Because he saw her in a Pantene commercial and thought oh that God. she would be good. <sighs> and eventually... Um, uh, it went to Andy McDowell. And I'm just like, wow, they really like ran through actresses. Yeah, I definitely could see like Famke Jansen in the role. But I think that Andy McDowell and going with a more innocent kind of like look mm-hmm. to her, I think served the role better ultimately. Like, I mean, who am I to say? Maybe it would have turned out fun too. I guess like, it works. They wanted someone with like a European accent and there was oh. just nobody available. <laughs> Oh, or they'd heard enough horror, horror stories by that point, and they were like, "Ooh, I guess, I yeah." Work with that. Um, so Minerva Mayflower, Sandra Bernhardt, was not in the original script. Uh, it was supposed to be like a single villain meant for a man actor, um, and then they did a whole nother rewrite of the script. They're like, "What if? She, what if it, the villain is a woman?" And uh, one of the producers or the director said. We should get Queen of Heists, Audrey Hepburn, to play her. Oh, my And God. so they approach Audrey Hepburn, like, do you want to be the bad guy in this movie, this heist movie? And she was, like, in talks with them, but they could not get her on board. They couldn't, you know, I mean, I'm not really surprised. So then they're like, okay, who else could we get? And Bruce Willis is like, you know what? Why don't we take the guy from the first movie and the lady from the second movie draft and make them a married couple? And now we have even more oh characters. <laughs> Absolutely wild. Mm-hmm. Like the more you're telling me about this movie, the more shocked I am that it actually got made. Like right? This just seems like a series of disasters. Uh And again, I'm very deeply surprised that this level of absolute utter chaos turned out to be so accidentally semi-enjoyable. Yeah. And as I'm reading this, I just realized like this kind of gives me the same vibes as like what it must have been like making the room. Have you seen the disaster artist? Oh no, I haven't. I know. Okay. of it but like yeah. I've never yeah oh god I think it's just it's just like one person who is like driven blind like blind to anyone else's wants or needs or what makes a movie good and it's just like no I know I have a singular vision I'm gonna do it trust me oh well I mean again I did have a lot of fun watching this but like yeah. oh god, I feel so bad for like retroactively for like all of what these the cast and crew had to go through to get this movie made like imagine too like the cast and crew like staying on a movie for like an extra 40 plus days that's over a month like i mean i'm sure probably people are grateful for extra work but like 
you think about scheduling and people are like, oh yeah, I'll be available for that project, you know? Right. Like, and it's like screwing up the rest of their like lives and like livelihoods. (laughs) Oh, I, what a nightmare. So those are the, my facts. Did I hit on the one that you were told by someone? I don't think so, but like, that's, that's fine. What did, what did they say? I'm going to try and find it, but um, I don't know if it was like, let's see. I thought it might be the Audrey Hepburn one because we always get the Audrey Hepburn info from Bob. Oh, so (laughs) I think it was, yeah, true, true. (laughs) And Bob did send us um, his thoughts on our episode of Red Notice too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you, Bob. You're the best. Um, I guess like it was like, I, and I don't know who these people are, but this, I guess, was on, like, the IMDb page. But it was told, like, when Mark Kermode met Richard E. Grant, Kermode told Grant that he was one of the few people who liked the film. And Grant responded, it was a stinking pile of steaming hot donkey drop- droppings and you are an idiot. I did read that. I just did not. I did not grab it. <laughs> I didn't either. But uh, I don't know. That was what I was told. So I. Mm-hmm. I. Yeah. I ultimately did enjoy this movie. Um, I had a very fun time watching it. Despite the odds, it was very fun. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what are we watching next time? I'm excited. I'm excited too. We decided we've been watching a lot of funny heists. We've been watching a lot of like, is it a caper? Is it a heist? Is it a robbery? So we're going all in uh, May Third is going to be Mission Impossible, nineteen ninety six. I'm really excited. Having watched Top Copy, yes, like, all the inspiration from that. I'm really, really stoked to see how that translates into this now. Kind of having that like inspiration. So this mm-hmm. will be the first time I'm watching Mission Impossible since we watched Top Copy, and I'm stoked. It's gonna be fun. I am. Um, I'm excited now that we've had like 20, 21 heist movies under our belt. And now we can really start to see them reference each other. It's I fun. I know. This is like really interesting. And like, obviously some of these movies are more heisty than others, but this mm-hmm. clearly is drawn from like one of the heist movies, even though they're like yes. very different, like films entirely. Like that one scene we knew was the basis of like, the iconic scene from Mission Impossible. Yes. So I, I can't wait. So if you have thoughts, you want us to share listener questions, you want us to answer for that show, we'll make sure to post about them on Twitter and you can send in your um, anything to us. So we're uh, at CaperCastPod on Twitter and Instagram. You can say hello. Again, send in any questions, comments, suggestions, or you can email us like our good friend Bob Ryer does uh, at podcast at capercast.com. Uh, you can say hello to us individually. Our usernames are linked in the bio. But uh, just in case you don't want to go do that, I'm Hello Cookie Whitney. Where can people find you? I'm at Hey Whitney on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so be sure to share our show, subscribe, review on your platform of choice and um yeah it mean a lot we have been your hosts and this has been 
the CaperCast. Thank you for letting us steal a little bit of your time and for tuning in. And until next time, don't get caught. The CaperCast is hosted by Stephanie Cook and Whitney Gardner. Our theme music is by the very talented Emily Milling.